0: The Victory Formation podcast is brought to you by Pilgrim Roasters. Pilgrim Roasters is a roastery and coffee shop located at 4120 Main Street in Manayunk, Philadelphia. Pilgrim Roasters specializes in unique coffees from all over the world, brought specially to you in-store and online at www.pilgrimroasters.com. Take 10% off your first order with Pilgrim Roasters when typing in promo code GoodSoup10 at checkout and figure out what all the buzz is about. You know something? Mm. No soup for you! Come back one year. Yeah, We both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal. You were supposed to buy me a meal. I'm not stopping you from eating. Go ahead and eat. Get anything you want. That's a lot of soup. That's a lot of soup. It looks delicious. Super. What is up, everybody? It is Friday, March 25th. And Tyreek Hill has been traded to the Miami Dolphins. Boom. Honestly, not shocking.
1: Not shocking to me. I I, I saw a lot of people say it was crazy. Um, I would say the craziest part is that they got five picks for him. That was just like holy five picks for Tyreek granted two fourths and a six so yeah I mean those picks are, are hit or miss but five picks I mean that's a haul I mean good, good for the Chiefs
0: on being able to sell high I think there's an argument that like Tyreek Hill's the best player in the NFL I, I don't think it's the argument that wins but it, I watched him play in that Buffalo Kansas City legendary playoff game in the divisional round Kansas City is not within 20 points of that game if, if Tyree Hill's not on the field. So I, I understand why he commanded so many picks. It's a blockbuster. I would say it's good for the Chiefs to get all those picks, but their windows now. Kelsey's not getting any younger. Their roster's not getting any younger. Yes, they have Mahomes for a while. Yeah, they added Juju, but I don't believe in him if I'm being honest. And they got Montez Valdez Scantling today on a three-year $30 million deal, which is an incredible overpay for a mediocre receiver. Um, this is also the classic overpay for the good QB.
1: Now we can't keep all the good weapons or like, I don't want to like make it a direct comparison to the Packers, but you're paying Patrick Mahomes 10 years, $500 million.
0: Like it's going to be tough uh, to keep pieces around it. It's not the worst contract for the team only because it is 10 years. So it's spread out a little bit. But I'm sure Tyree Kill saw him sign that deal and was like, I want a deal now, which is, I'm certain that's what happened in Green Bay. You know, Devontae Adams saw Rodgers' deal and said, okay, if you're going to pay him that, I want to get paid. And when they said no, he was out. Well, Tyree Kill basically said, hey, if you're going to pay all these other guys, I want to get paid. If you're going to sign Juju and pay him, I want to get paid. And they said no, and they traded into the Dolphins. And we'll get on the Dolphins in a minute um, because they've had an unbelievable offseason and, propelled themselves to a competitor, honestly, in the AFC. But Hill's going to the Dolphins. They're going to pair him with Jalen Waddell and some other guys. Great fit. I think he'll do well. Short catches, running with the ball, less deep threat because of to his arm, whatever. If you're the Chiefs, I don't know what you're doing. And in that division, you just made it a lot harder to finish first. And I don't think they're the favorites anymore, if I'm being honest.
1: No, it, it, I'll say two on, on the pick. Hall that they got it probably helped that the other team in the mix to get him was the jets like yeah they were working two divisional opponents against each other to to like get as much as they could for him so that helped but chiefs chiefs now in my eyes i mean you still have patrick mahomes Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so he's i mean i don't have to say it but he's an obvious game changer yes but the dolphins I know you and I talked about this privately, like to a man, so much pressure on him. Oh, yeah. I wasn't a huge believer in him, but now there's zero excuses and he has all the weapons in the world to be a good QB to, you know, to, to, to change the Miami dolphins and to make them a winning team. So it's all on him now. He's got to distribute the ball. It's a nice big headache for him. Great for the coach too. love that guy. I mean, he, he he's got, he is the team that he can win now with, and, and that will be exciting to watch.
0: And he's hilarious. I mean, we're a Mike McDaniel podcast. We've made that very clear. Um, he, I can't wait to see the press conference on this one, baby. I don't know what he's going to say this time, but Hill just for reference was traded to Miami for a 2022 first, a 2022 second. The first round pick is number 29 in this draft. The second round pick is number 50 and a fourth round pick this year as well. The other compensation includes a fourth and a sixth in 2023. So the Chiefs will get a first and second and fourth this year and a fourth and a sixth next year. The Dolphins get Tyreek Hill and a third round pick next year. The Dolphins are going all in, like you just said. This offseason, the Dolphins have added Teron Armstead, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, Cedric Wilson, Teddy Bridgewater, Connor Williams, and re-signed Preston Williams and Emmanuel Agba. And they signed Alec Ingold to play fullback, which is a big deal because that signals the change of the system. Maybe Tua's under center more doing stuff he might be more comfortable with off play action or uncomfortable with because we haven't really seen him run it. Less RPO, more 49ers style. Um, I like this fit. You know, Tua needs all the help he can get. We've talked about it. He's, you know, under-talented essentially. He's playing off grit. He doesn't have a ton of arm strength. He makes bad decisions sometimes, but all of that can be fixed by adding a lot of top end talent around him. They added two very good running backs that can split carries. Mostert played with McDaniel in San Francisco, Teron Armstead to play tackle and Connor Williams to play guard. Just a little quick recap on those guys. Overall grade for Williams, according to PFF last year was 76.1 that put him in the top third of guards and teron williams was a 75.9 that put him in the top third of tackles williams only allowed one sack and armstead only allowed one sack i i'm i'm really confident in those moves i i like everything they've done to be honest with you i think it's going to put the dolphins in a position where they're already the second best team in the afc east I don't care. Patriots fans get mad, but you got no talent on your roster. And these guys are loaded. They seem to be moving in the right direction. I'm really interested to see what happens.
1: How much of this is the owner and GM? Like, all right, we need some good publicity right now. 100% do do whatever you can. 100%.
0: The NFL probably warned him. Like you better try and win games. And you know what they did the Rams fuck it YOLO and traded all their picks for Tyree kill and spent all this money. I glossed over Cedric Wilson as well. Last season, he had 45 catches, 602 yards, and six touchdowns with the Cowboys on a pretty loaded receiving core, 9.9 yards per target. So if you're adding him with Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, that's a murderer's row of receivers, man. I, They're going to be able to kind of do receiver by committee, get different you know lineups that they like on the field for different formations. I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl contender, but they're definitely in the mix of the playoffs in the AFC now.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and another non-football comment by me. This is another state with no income tax landing a massive free agent. Yep. I'm not, I, I'm not getting political, but these guys want to keep as much money as they can. And especially like the federal income tax level, I know is 37% above like $500,000. I I don't know that because that's what I make, but like, if and then you're going to go into States where they're taking that, that much more money on top of that. I mean, it's great. And God, I mean, I love the colors that the the dolphins have. So it's going to be fun to watch those guys in those candy blue uniforms, just tear up the field. It'll be good.
0: Uh, And the, the Hill contract, he did sign a new contract with the dolphins all reports out are that it's three years, 75 million fully guaranteed. That's a huge deal. I think he's worth it. I think he's the best receiver in football. I know Cooper Cup just had like arguably the best season ever, but if you're asking me whether I'd have Tyreek Hill or Cooper Cup, I will take Tyreek Hill. Like yeah, I said, and, and, Yeah. And and you said earlier too that Tyreek's like
1: the best player in the NFL. I think outside of QBs, outside of like five QBs and like Jonathan Taylor and maybe Derrick Henry,
0: Aaron he's Donald. an obvious and
1: he's an obvious MVP. Like, oh yeah, he will open up defenses they have to almost double him every time he's on the field or every time he's lined up. So that's going to open up. Like that's the craziest part. He doesn't even have to get the ball. And then you have all these other wide receivers that are just in single coverage. They, they hit a double move and they're gone.
0: 155 targets last year. And I want to transition from that into what does this mean for the chiefs? I mean, we said they brought in Montez Valdez Scantling for three years, 30 million. That's not a good contract. Juju's there. Kelsey's there. That's fine. They still have Micole Hardman, I guess. He's fine. Pringle is fine. Their defense is atrocious. They didn't do anything to address it. I don't, I don't know. Like, I love Patrick Mahomes. He's great. I, I'm interested to see how he does without Tyree Kill taking the top off. And Juju's not that type of receiver. So if MVS is going to replace that deep threat role, good luck with that. That's not going to work. I don't think he'll even be in the starting lineup four or five weeks into the season. So I, I don't know what this means for the chiefs. The AFC West is loaded. My team. I like, I've said it over and over. I said it to you. The Raiders are going to be really good. I think they have a solid defense. They have a solid quarterback and they have a really, really good receiving core. I mean, the Broncos are better. They have a best defense in the division and Russell Wilson now and some good receiving options. And then there's the Chargers, who should have been a top three seed last year if they didn't collapse. And I said this in the group chat and I said this to multiple people, but the Chargers are the Mets of the NFL. No matter how good we think they are, they're going to collapse and do bad. That's just a guarantee or or mediocre. So I'm not putting a lot of stock in them. But as far as like projecting talent, they should be like a 13 and four team, a 14 and three team. They should, they won't, but they should. Where are the Chiefs fall in the AFC West now? That's my question to you. From my perspective, it feels like the Chiefs are turning
1: into the Packers of like four to six years ago, where all right, we made Aaron Rodgers the highest paid player in the NFL. We can't put really that many weapons around him, but he's that good that he'll just still win us games. It like the Chiefs still have a good roster that can win games but it's like Patrick you got to go out there and do it all for us you got to go out there and win us games you got to either with your feet and scrambling making 10 yard passes like whatever we got to do we might not be able to take the top off every time but Patrick Mahomes is going to have to do it all it's a lot of pressure on him now too same thing with Tua but a little different um I don't know I mean I'm looking at the odds right now Chiefs are plus 165 to win like they're not even a favorite Denver's plus two thirty, Chargers are plus two fifty, and Vegas is plus seven hundred. God, that division is so crazy. I mean, I would probably take the Chiefs. I would. I uh, I'd maybe still lean the Chiefs to win it. I probably would still lean, but that that division is so wide open. I could see any, any either of those teams winning. It, any of them.
0: Yeah. I I could also see any team winning it. Um, I really like Javante Williams. I've said it again and again. If you're drafting in fantasy and you're mid to late first round, look at Javante Williams really hard, except you, Vinny. Don't, don't take my advice, (laughs) Um, but he's really good. Their lines. Okay. It's not great, but now you have Ross. You got, I don't believe in Jerry Judy. I, I think he's a meh receiver, but I really like Cortland Sutton. I really like Tim Patrick. They have some guys. You look at the Chargers, we've already talked about it. They're loaded. I love Vegas. I think that with Devontae Adams and Derek now, they're awesome. Hunter Renfro's pretty underrated again somehow. He had a great year last year. They have pieces where I think they're going to be a really scrappy team. And then there's Kansas city. And I, I don't know what to think about Kansas city. I mean, Kelsey again is getting older and looked a little bit slower at the end of the season last year. So let's see how he holds up and the rest of the team holds up. But now you're in a gamble where if Kelsey gets injured and goes down, your season's over. There's no one for Mahomes to throw the ball to you have no run games. So I don't know. I am. Uh, I'm interested to see how it shakes out as far as way too early AFC West futures go. I like Vegas just for the odds. And the fact, I think they can win that division.
1: I mean, yeah, you throw up a quarter unit flyer on them you're getting plus 700 dude that's that's crazy for a team that like let's see okay so here's the thing with AFC AFC West specifically Patrick Mahomes Russell Wilson Justin Herbert Derek Carr like I don't really believe in Derek Carr that much but like all the other quarterbacks like Justin Herbert hasn't been to a playoff game yet, but like you said, they should have been there last year. Those, those quarterbacks can 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 get you wins in the playoffs in my opinion. Yeah. All even Derek
0: them. Carr. I, I think even Derek Carr. Cause like he's a cut above Ryan Tannehill, Kirk cousins, in my opinion, I don't know if you agree with that. He's a tier above them. I'm not saying he is in an elite tier, but he's with like the Matt Ryans and yeah, um, I'm pulling a blank on anyone else right now, but he's in that like middling tier of guys that I, I kind of like. Right. Yeah. And you know, I hear you. It's just like, I
1: have such a bias towards the top heavy guys, like the top two tiers where like anyone else is like, you, you're kind of in the mix, but with, with like the weapons yeah, around, no, like, like with the weapons around Derek Carr though, Again, similar to Tua, there's really no excuses, man. You're either a good quarterback or we're going to see that you suck this year. So, I mean, I, I'd love to be surprised. Um, just – actually, I can't – okay. Um, like in March, like beginning – like March 16th range, the, the Raiders were plus 1,000 or like over plus 1,000 to win it. Now they're down to plus 700. So, I mean, Vegas is telling you their odds got better. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's probably a little too early for me to say if I did, I would probably still go to the Chiefs just because of Patrick Mahomes. But, damn, all the other teams are good in that division. So.
0: Yeah. No, I agree.
1: yeah That's where um, I'm at. That's where I'm at.
0: But, yeah, crazy day, crazy trade, Tyreek Hill, a Miami Dolphin. Moving on to the last bit of NFL news, and this is more of a troll segment for me. Uh, Zadarius Smith, Packer legend, Maybe um signed with the vikings the other day so before i become a complete ass let me give you the floor let me hear your thoughts
1: i mean zadarius i
0: gotta tip my hat to him
1: um you know he came in and did everything he was asked to do with the packers it was a great um great defensive piece i I don't know if he officially was the captain of the defense, but damn, he was definitely a vocal leader in the locker room. It's definitely going to be a big loss. Um, it's interesting him signing with the Vikings. I don't know what his genesis for signing with them was. Maybe it was money. You'll probably Daniel tell Hunter. me. But... It's,
0: it's Daniel Hunter. They're very good friends.
1: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But, yeah, you know, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he plays against, against the Packers. It's definitely something to worry about. I mean, Khalil Mack went to the Bears and – I think he did hurt Rogers that one game. But other than that, I mean, he didn't really do a lot there. So I'm interested in your opinion too. Like how, how are they going to use him? What the Vikings, like defensive coordinator, what's that guy going to do? What type of defense does he play? Um, You know, from an X's and O's perspective, like what are, what are your thoughts?
0: So I I haven't really dug into the Vikings defensive coordinator. It's a new guy in a new position, a new coaching staff. I'm not really sure what he's going to run until he runs it. Like I I can say what he's run in the past, but we're not really going to know until the preseason. I will say that the Vikings had the third most sacks in the NFL last year. And Everson Griffin's gone clearly, but you replaced him with a better player and Daniel Hunter was hurt last year. So he comes back too. And your end rushers are Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith. That's pretty terrifying. The secondary is still a huge issue. They did get Harrison Smith to restructure, so they hung on to him, but we don't have any cornerbacks. Um, I don't know. I I like the moves they're making. They got Jordan Hicks as well earlier uh, in the offseason, and I think he's a very good addition to play next to Barr and Kendricks is more of a tackle hog. Um, Him and Kendricks getting tackles in the middle of the field against the run is a terrifying thought. But I... I like what the Vikings are doing. I am skeptical as always because they do this. They have put good teams on the field and then been terrible. And the quarterback is still Kirk D cousins. Um, And as long as that's the case, I have no faith, but we'll see. I'm excited. This, this definitely got the juices flowing. I, I like trolling you. I like trolling my other friend, Colin Smith, who's a Packers fan and uh, Zedarius signing with us is huge for those games because He's going to have that revenge factor, that extra juice to get up and get after Rogers. And I don't know if it makes a difference. Rogers owns the Vikings, but we'll see, you know, I, the Vikings are getting better. The Packers are getting worse. Does that mean the Vikings win the division? No, but it means they have a chance.
1: Absolutely. And you know, the old adage, Eric, defense wins championships. So beef up that defense, you still have to score points, so that's going to be a big concern for for you guys. Yeah, but. it's
0: not though, because like the offense is great, I, skill position wise. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, that alone is is very 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 solid. Um, the problem Kirk is the Cousins. guy at quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's Kirk Cousins. It's a, can he get the ball there? Can they devise a system? And Kirk Cousins' best season winning was with Kevin O'Connell in washington so i don't know maybe 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 he can i I really don't know i i have no idea because it's a whole new coaching staff a whole new gm i have no idea what the philosophy is coming off the zimmer era is gonna be tough because he was such an asshole but uh i'm interested to see what direction they go and where we end up this year absolutely yep transitioning from football to football i think you have some stuff to say on the usfl I do, man. This is my segment today. Usually when we
1: see these alternate NFL leagues pop up, it's like, all right, what are they really going to offer? It's just going to be shitty football, blah, blah, blah. But when I read the the little report on this, I got pretty freaking excited, Eric. Um, USFL, assuming it stands for the United States Football League, starts – April 16th we have eight teams the Michigan Panthers New Jersey Generals Philadelphia Stars so I might have to come up to Philly to watch a damn Philadelphia Stars game hell yeah the the Pittsburgh Maulers uh, Birmingham Stallions probably the best team in the league the Houston Gamblers that's great um, New Orleans Breakers and then the Tampa Bay Bandits so I mean the talent's still going to be less than the nfl but this got the rules that i'm about to get into got me so excited in addition to the traditional one point extra point kick the two point extra point from the two yard line they're adding a three point extra point from the 10 yard line thoughts
0: i i like that um I would like to see, and this is something in the NFL, I'd like to see the kick get abolished, no one-point kick, and just do a two-point from the two, and the three-point from the ten would be very cool. But I like the three-point from the ten. It's different. It's interesting. It's going to be able to test out kind of a new rule that other leagues might follow.
1: Which I, I, I'm I about to get into a few more rules, but like if this league can please survive, maybe get some money funding from... From, from the NFL as like a feeder league, I think this would be awesome. But to keep it going, another rule, there, there is still an onside kick, but you can def, you, you can choose to do a fourth and 12 from your own 33-yard line, and if you convert it, you get the ball back.
0: Yeah, this is a Jim Harbaugh rule. Um, he proposed that when he was the coach, and then John Harbaugh proposed it like a couple years ago. I love this. I think this is way better because the conversion rate on fourth and 12 is less than an onside kick. It's almost zero. So it makes it more entertaining to watch and it gives you the illusion of having hope when there really isn't more hope than an onside kick, but I like it. It's, it's less on, can the kicker do a fluke thing with the ball and more can the players perform when they need to? I really like that. rule. I think that's cool. Yeah, and, and in the
1: article I have linked here, it said the USFL is prioritizing fan experience as it relates to big plays, um, you know, exciting stuff. Like the one side kick, don't get me wrong. When I see it, it's, it's about to happen. My juices do flow a little bit more. But if you have a fourth and 12 from the 33, like the playbook's open at that point, And there's just a higher chance if your team's down and you need the ball. Onside kick, you're like, all right, we need a miracle. Fourth and 12, you said the conversion rate's pretty low, but I, I don't know. Quarterbacks can make a 15-yard pass. Like, yeah, that, that, that's actually convertible in my, in, in, in my opinion. So, um, to continue, the overtime rules. It's no bullshit NFL overtime rules. It's best of three shootout from the two-yard line go like going in to the end zone so each team gets a possess a shot from the two yard line to score and you just go back and forth and i from the way i understand it if the first if the if one team gets two two out of two and the other team gets zero out of two that team wins each each attempt from the two yard line is worth two points so thoughts
0: Yeah, it is what it is. I'm one of the proponents of if you want to fix the NFL overtime, do the coin flip for overtime tied into the coin flip for the game. If you know who's getting the ball first at the beginning of the game, if the game were to go to overtime and just play the normal rules, all of the other elements of like it being unfair, it it goes away because you know who's getting it. You're going to play the end of that game accordingly. And the team that's going to get the ball second might not go for overtime. I think that's a better fix. Although it's different, so I'm down. I think everything in this league should be different if it's going to stand out and be entertaining to watch. So, yeah, why not? Yep, yep.
1: Um, There's NCAA clock-stopping rule. Like, um, on a first down in the last two minutes of um, the second quarter and the fourth quarter, the clock will stop. Um, The craziest rule of all, though, if, if any of that didn't blow your mind, they're allowing two forward passes per play. Yeah, this feels like a gimmick. I don't like this. Like, wait, yeah, like what is it going to be like? Okay, the quarterback's going to pass it 15 yards down the field, and then you're just going to have a wide receiver on the left-hand side just sprinting 50 yards, and it's like, hey, when you catch it, just throw it to me.
0: Yeah, I literally. I don't know, man. It's yeah, that seems weird. like a gimmick. It seems like a gimmick. But you know what? Like I said, if you're going to make people watch it, it's got to be a little gimmicky. Um, I'll give it a shot for a couple games. I'm sure this league will not last just because competing with the NFL is impossible, even though it is a different time of year. People always forget football is great because football occurs in a limited time space where you're not really competing with other sports. Yes. Basketball is playing at the same time. Yes. College basketball and college football as well, but college football plays on another day. The NBA plays during the week. They don't schedule games on Sunday during the NFL season and it's early season NBA. So it doesn't really matter. This is competing with baseball at the start of the year. It's competing with the NBA playoffs. And it's competing with the NHL playoffs. I guess. So I don't know. We'll see how it does. I, I, do you know where the Philadelphia team's playing?
1: I don't. I, I just saw the graphic. But... I would
0: assume either Franklin Field or the Link, but I don't know. Maybe Wells Fargo. I don't know if it's in. If they would play indoor at Wells Fargo, they probably can't. So it's probably either the link or Franklin Field where Penn plays.
1: I'm super excited for it. Logo's um, cool.
0: I like the Philly logo. Yeah. I,
1: I need to get a Houston Gamblers like t-shirt, hat, some some type of merch.
0: Yeah. I, I need to. It's but, a dope um, logo, too.
1: It is. It is. So that's that's what I'm that would that that's what I'm looking at today. USFL, it's less than a month to start away. Um, the first week will probably be crazy. And then by week three, the, the ratings will be so low. They're like, all right, we might need to cancel it mid season, but I mean, a lot of cool rule changes. So, you know, make sure while you're watching it, you listen to this podcast and you can educate your friends about it. But, um, I'm excited for it. Um, we'll just have to see. So
0: I'll throw it to you, Eric.
1: I'll throw it to you. What, what do you got on the Phillies?
0: So we brushed on baseball last podcast, a heads up. On April 4th, we're going to do a full MLB baseball preview with our special guest, Zach Fisher. Zach is dialed in on baseball. He's also a musician. He's a super talented guy. Uh, The king of America and the king of Canada, some will say. So really excited to have him on. Keep an eye out for that. We'll do more in-depth. But I I brushed over the Phillies' moves this offseason. They signed Kyle Schwerber and Nick Castellanos in the last two weeks. That's going to be their quote-unquote outfield. I'm sure Schwarber's going to DH, but we talked about them offensively and what they can be. I sorted on fan graphs, you know, by 450 at-bats because Schwarber didn't play every game last year and sorted by outfield to see who was the best hitting outfielders. Number one in WRC plus is the stat I'm going off of. If you have a problem with that, then sue me. It's a great stat for hitting. Uh, Bryce Harper was the number one hitting outfielder by WRC Plus at 170 last year. He was also the number one outfielder in war at 6.6. No surprise, he won the MVP. Kyle Schwerber was sixth in WRC Plus at 145 and had a 3.1 war. And Nick Castellanos was ninth in WRC Plus. So, in theory, according to one metric, I know they have three of the top 10 hitters in baseball in their outfield for outfielders. That's terrifying. The part that's discouraging is their defensive ratings. Defensive efficiency is a really good stat that, you know, measures uh, everything a player does on defense, their range, their error rate, how they throw the ball as well. Um, Harper was a negative 4.4. That's around league average. It's not great. Schwerber was a negative 10. That's near the bottom of the league. It's not the very bottom of the league. Like Jordan Alvarez was at negative 12.5 and JD Martinez was negative 11.4. But those guys mostly DH'd. So did Schwerber. But it basically shows, hey, Schwerber's not going to be playing the outfield fine. And Nick Cassianos was a minus 7.4, which is also not very good and also below league average. So they have three pretty meh fielding outfielders. Harper makes up for it with his arm, but... Uh, His range is not great. Castellanos is kind of dreadful in the outfield. So, yes, get excited. They have three really good hitting outfielders. But those guys aren't great in the field, and the Phillies were the sixth worst fielding team last year. So keep an eye out for that.
1: Here's my question for you, Eric, on that. As I don't know if I'd say I'm like a perennial glass-half-empty guy, but like, do, do offensive, like, are you worried about regression at all as, as it comes to the offensive side? Cause like, yeah, they, they, they were good last year, but like they're due to regress at some point. right? So
0: I'm worried about it with Harper because he tends to do like one really good season and then a couple mediocre seasons, but I don't know. He's in his prime now. So maybe not JT Rao Muto is going to have a great year this year. He had a mediocre year for his standards but like he's been around 280 30 home runs 25 home runs the last like 6 or 7 years he had 263 last year. He's due to hit 300 and have a great season I, I, he's a good enough hitter and his metrics show that. I mean third best as catcher in wrc plus. So I think he's going to boom this year. They still have Gene Sakura. They still have Reese Hoskins. They still have Ronald Torres to come off the bench. They have Matt Verling, who I uh, have in these notes here to talk about next, along with Adam Hazley. Adam Hazley took the entire year off last year for mental health issues after having a pretty good year as a rookie and providing some pop in the Phillies lineup. He's a good defensive outfielder. Verling's going to sub in at first base for Hoskins likely, but he's another guy who was highly heralded coming up. Those two guys are playing pretty okay in spring training. It's only been a couple games, but they're looking all right. I'm interested to see how they do. The other big question mark is Didi Gregorius. He was the worst offensive shortstop in the league last year. He led the league in errors by a shortstop, which is very uncharacteristic for him. He had a hernia. He had another issue in his shoulder. The Phillies were saying, hey, his range was limited by those injuries, yada, yada, yada. He had surgery. He'll be fine. I'll take their word for it. Cause it was very uncharacteristic of DD, but I still think he's on the decline and I think they are going to look to replace him. They have a solid backup, uh, a, a rookie, a guy they drafted last name, Stott, who they really, really like. I think he'll end up replacing DD. If not this year, then definitely next year. So the lineup, isn't the issue. I think between all of the lineup, they one through nine is a murderer's row. But you can't win in baseball by just winning every game nine to seven. And the starting rotation doesn't look terrible, but the bullpen is still a major issue. I'll start with the starters. Zach Wheeler, in the, one of the finalists for Cy Young last year, he was awesome. Aaron Nola, I have reservations and question marks about him as a, as a player, as a performer, but he was still really solid last year. Kyle Gibson, they traded for at the deadline He was pretty bad with the Phillies, if I'm being honest. Um, His ERA was over five, which isn't, you know, all the telltale stat, but a war of 1.1, so he's barely above replacement. Zach Eflin, okay when he's healthy. Fine number four, number five guy. The big guy to talk about is Ranger Suarez. He came onto the scene hard last year. No one expected him to be great. He came in. He started 12 games. He had an ERA of 1.36, a FIP of 2.72, and a 3.0 war. So he was the third best pitcher on the roster. Those are ace numbers. If he can maintain that, the starting rotation will more than likely be fine. The issue, as always, with the Phillies is the bullpen. Right now, the projected bullpen is Corey Knebel as the closer, a guy they signed on the downward trend of his career as a setup. Jose Alvarado, bringing him back from last year. Downward trend of his career. Jairus Familia, a guy they signed this year. Downward trend of his career. The Mets didn't even want him and let him go. And Brad Hand, downward trend of his career. Brad Hand would have been a great signing five years ago, but right now it's just kind of like, eh, we'll see. Maybe he has a resurgence. I doubt it. And then they're bringing back Connor Brogdon, Sam Conrad, and Sir Anthony Dominguez apparently will be healthy. That's not a good enough bullpen. And there's not a lot of depth there. And if anything, baseball is moving towards more of a bullpen centered style of pitching. And the Phillies don't have that. And the last big thing is if they're going to win this division, they're going to have to beat out the Mets who are going all in and made a ton of moves as we talked about. And the Braves who are coming off a world series appearance. Yes. They lost Freddie Freeman, but they got Matt Olson. Who's all right. And, they're getting Ronald Acuna back who might be the best player in baseball when he's healthy. So I don't know what the Phillies outlook is. I'm sure they could maybe snag the last wild card, but yes, I'm very excited that they went out and spent money. I just think they might've spent it in the wrong areas.
1: Huh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking here in terms of going back to the, the hitters that you, the big free agents, you guys signed in defense. T- Educate me a little bit. Can you learn defense in the MLB and baseball? Like, can that be taught?
0: Baseball is tough. Because, yes, a lot of it's coaches, but a lot of it is if you're signing a veteran guy like Cassianos and Schwarber, they are what they are. Baseball's not a sport where, uh, well, maybe pitchers, but less so hitters where a guy's just going to make an insane leap for the rest of his career and be a great player on offense or defense. You're getting what you're getting. Schwerber's not going to get any faster. Cassianos isn't going to get any better at tracking balls in the outfield. So I don't know. Could they improve a little bit with coaching? Sure. Why not? But I, I doubt it. Right. It's not right. like okay. basketball and where you play in a system and you can have a system fit or football. It, it's, it's really, you are, or you aren't in the outfield.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then let me put my Billy Bean hat on for this pitching conundrum. You guys are in. You said it, it's like really bullpen heavy, which is like guys pitch for like three or four innings. And then you just throw bullpen guys in.
0: Well, that's what not what the, Girardi does. That's just how baseball is moving. Girardi's the opposite. He'll throw a guy eight or nine innings like an asshole.
1: Oh, okay. So then my question is probably going to be mute at this point. But I was thinking, what if you had like your one pitcher pitch for like three innings, like a starter? And then you have like the fifth in the lineup come in for three more. And then you have a, ha, then you start having your bullpen come in. Basically what I'm trying to think is like low volume pitches, low stress on their arms, but you get your best guys out there as much as possible. Now I understand baseball is like, you know, once your pitcher gets warm, you can't have them get cold. Cause the arm is like the biggest thing and all that type of stuff. But like, what if, the way we looked at pitchers, I know baseball is changing, like you said, but what if you took it a step further?
0: I don't know if that's good for a pitcher's arm. I think that's the main concern. And when you're paying these guys that much money, you really want to take care of that arm, especially now with the restrictions against using sticky substance on the baseball, less control over the ball. And when you release it and where you release it can lead to more arm injuries. I don't know. I I know that Girardi is against doing the whole bullpen game where a bullpen guy comes in to start, pitches one inning. Then you have a middle reliever go three to five if you can. And then you just start throwing bullpen guys out. We also don't have the depth to do that. So I don't know. I, this gotcha. team is a huge question mark. With bullpen, it's very possible that these guys perform well next year out of nowhere. That's always like a 10% possibility because in baseball that happens. But I'm looking at these guys on the team, and I'm not seeing the possibility that that can happen, if I'm being honest.
1: And I was just trying to think different, man.
0: No, I, I, I like it. I like thinking outside the box, but like I said, I am excited that they're spending money and going after guys. I am tampering my expectations for competing in our division because I think it's going to be very tough to do so. Yeah,
1: no, I hear you. I hear you, but it gives, gives you in the city of Philadelphia something to be excited about. So love that.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: All righty. Cool move on to some picks
0: let's yeah
1: you guys some picks let's um,
0: transition into finney's betting corner we are gonna roll the ncaa tournament preview into this because this is the thing we're betting on this weekend clearly so uh why don't you kick us off finn who do you like i know i'm watching the gonzaga arkansas game right now um i think you're watching it too so-, yeah, so, so,
1: so first off, I, I, I have a gripe to pick with the NCAA and how they schedule these games right now. Listen, I, I got more than one screen, so I'm not worried about it. But I'm worried about the mom and pop, you know, three kids. They're trying to sit down and watch some games. You know, the dad might have a little money on, on Gonzaga, but, you know, mom went to Villanova, and now they can't watch both games because the NCAA schedule's Arkansas-Gonzaga game at 7.09, and then the Michigan-Villanova game at 7.29. Like, what? we got four games today. Let's start it at 5. Let's do one at 7.30. Let's do the 9, and then let's do the West Coast game at whatever time it's going to be. Like, why are we overlapping these games? Just from a money point of view, you're not going to have all the viewers and all the ratings on each channel. Like, I don't know, that just pisses me off. But.
0: I think it's for live audience. Um, I said it on the other podcast on Tuesday. I'll say it again today. I am going to both games in Philly tomorrow. I would not have been able to go if the game didn't start at 7 because I have work. So I think it's more for asses and seats, live audience, and less about TV. But I agree. I, I hate the fact, like, the Nova game's going on right now too. And it's really annoying because I – I, yeah, I don't think the, two games have to be played at the same time. I, hey, I think you're right. I think we can figure this out.
1: Eric, the Arkansas Gonzaga games in San Francisco.
0: Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, you're it's, right. That it's, makes no it's sense.
1: 4:30 over. It was 4:09 when they started the game. You know what? Good point. Makes no sense. Yeah. Like, just have the East Coast games start earlier. I guess at like five. Have people run there right after work. Listen, I, I don't know. But yeah, and, and tomorrow. I, I, I'd like to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Tomorrow the the Philly, the second game's at nine 40. I have work Saturday morning. Not many people do, but I I'll, I'll be working at seven on Saturday morning. I'm not going to leave Wells Fargo center until like probably twelve fifteen. If that yeah. game even starts at nine 40, that's assuming the, uh, the first game, the UCLA UNC game doesn't go super late, but, or I'm sorry, the St. Peter's Purdue game is the first game that doesn't go super late, but you're right. Cause if, if they could start the East coast games a little bit earlier at like five or six, then we wouldn't have to play an East Coast game at 940. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, maybe
1: they're banking that people have their apps on their phone where they can just watch a game while they're watching a game, whatever. But, um, yeah, okay, let's get into the picks. All right, so today's games, I think we mentioned it on last pod, but I teased Arkansas up to, if you could get it in a teaser, if that's what you guys wanted to do, I said um, plus 13 and a half. I think they just took the lead against Gonzaga with two minutes left in the first. So that's looking pretty good. I think I also took Villanova. I don't know if I took them on the line, which I think was what, like minus five, minus four and a half, minus five, depending on your book, but FanDuel's four and a half. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I took them on the the spread or the money line, but I had Nova. Um, We both had Texas tech money line. And then I took Houston on the money line uh, against Arizona tonight. Um, then looking ahead to tomorrow, I'm definitely taking Purdue because I got him in my championship. I also have UCLA in my bracket, so I need to go with that. The Miami Iowa State game, you and I will have to talk about this. Um, a lot of the public loves Miami, which makes me a contrarian in wanting to take the other team. But I'm, I'm going to ride with Miami and then. What's the, the eighth game? I'm missing one.
0: Providence, Kansas. Is that the game? That's that's
1: yeah. the game. Yep. So I'm probably going to take Kansas here. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what the actual line is on that. But, yeah, I'm probably going to take Kansas. I mean, Providence is going to be up to play, but.
0: It's Kansas um,
1: minus, minus seven and, seven seven and, 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 and a half. half. Yeah. Ugh. On that, I'd probably like Providence to cover, but. I think Hans wins, so those are my picks. What do you got?
0: I got Nova minus four and a half going on right now. I think they're up five points. They yep. are. I got Gonzaga minus five. I teased that line down. They are down one point right now to Arkansas. I got Texas Tech minus one ten money line mortal lock of the weekend. They are going to beat Duke. I have Arizona minus one point five points. I got Purdue teased down to minus 8 points and then UCLA minus 137 money line, Miami minus 140 money line. I am not picking that Kansas Providence game. I have no idea. I, I for my bracket, it doesn't matter cuz I had San Diego State and then um I can't even remember who the other team was at this point. Wisconsin maybe. But I uh I like Kansas in that game against Providence. I think they're going to win.
1: I mean, we've been shitting on Providence for about four weeks now. So <laughs> I think we're both hoping that that.
0: Yeah, it's just a bad matchup for him. It, it, it comes down. I guess matchups clearly by my bracket don't matter in the tournament, but it, it's not a good matchup for Providence. I'll, I'll go with Kansas.
1: Yep. Yep. Cool. So how does that play into uh, your bracket? I know I only have three teams left and no final, I have one final four team left uh how's yours looking
0: i got two final four teams left i got arizona and gonzaga i think they'll both get there we talked about on the last podcast i have a future on miami just a couple bucks to get to the final four they have the second worst third worst odds behind iowa state and uh st peters i like miami in a matchup against kansas uh i'm also biased my buddy doug shout out doug uh he went to Miami and I am rooting for Sebastian, the, the Ibis. So I like Miami to get there too. And then I, I like UCLA to get there. Um, so it'd be Gonzaga, UCLA, Arizona, Miami. And like I said, I like Gonzaga, Arizona, and then I like Arizona to win just based on what I've seen from Arizona in this tournament and what I've seen from Gonzaga in this tournament, but both are battle tested, similar offenses, both like to play fast in transition. We'll see. I, I think it's a really good Sweet 16 and shaping up to be a really good Elite Eight. I am very excited to watch UCLA UNC in person. That should be a great game.
1: And and you said that's the late game tomorrow?
0: That is the late game. That is the 940 game. Oh Make sure you're a little sauced up
1: for that one. That'll be fun, man. That'll yeah. be really fun.
0: Dude, I'm going with my parents and I'm very, very excited. Um, it should be a very good time. But
1: like, how insane would it be if you were there when a 15 seed made it to the final or to the elite eight? Yeah, that how would be fucking
0: would nuts, be. dude. Like that would be nuts. I mean, I'm already looking like Doug Eddard with the mustache at times. So seeing them make it would be pretty electric. Um, I will say Jaime Jaquez, who we talked about maybe not playing on the last podcast, he is going to play for UCLA. I think that puts puts them over the edge against North Carolina. You heard it here first,
1: right? Going to the earlier game though, you're going to see Jaden Ivy, a potential lottery pick. Most likely.
0: I think he's the best player in the draft, the best prospect, but that's just my opinion.
1: You're going to see Zach Eady, who's just a massive human being. That'll be wild. Um, You're going to be able to say that. Yeah, I watched St. Peter's play in that tournament. That's well, going to be sick.
0: I will say the last time I went to the NCAA tournament, I saw Florida Gulf Coast play San Diego State and Kawhi Leonard uh, in the round of 32, which was very cool. And I saw Creighton play Duke with Dougie McBuckets. So I've seen now two that Florida Gulf Coast was a 14 and now I'm seeing a 15. This is later in the tournament, but pretty cool. Two of the two of the big Cinderella's from the last decade plus uh, I will be seeing in person.
1: Are you, sure they were a, are you sure they were a 14?
0: I'm not. They could have been a 13. I'm pretty sure Florida Gulf Coast was a 14, though. Because I've been here, and I think they were – no, they,
1: they were also a 15. Okay. Yeah, they, they were one of the, the only three 15s to make it to the Sweet 16, Oral Roberts, Florida Gulf Coast, and St. Peter's.
0: So, so, another 15 seed. I saw them beat San Diego State in that game, and they were really lob city. Like, they were lobbing it all over the court. And this one lanky guy, Kawhi Leonard, was getting buckets, and I was like, "I don't know who the fuck this dude is, but he's pretty solid."
1: <laughs> Love it, man. That's that's going to be so awesome. You have to you have to you have to give us a nice rundown on Monday.
0: Of how oh, we went. oh, I will, I will give everyone a rundown. But uh, yeah, those are our picks and our projection for the tournament. We'll have a lot more content on it on Monday once the games are played. We kind of said on Tuesday, like, "Hey, nothing's going to happen between now and then." I mean, the games are going on right now. Uh, give you your last update, and it's at commercial, so I can't. But uh I think Arkansas is up a point, and I think Nova's up five.
1: Yep, that's where
0: we're at. Cool. Um, all right, let's get into it. Um,
1: some quick NBA rapid fire, Eric. I'm warming I up, you, and I, I need you to tell me what's going on right now. I haven't been watching too much, so.
0: I watched me the whole slate. I was on NFL or uh, NBA Game Pass last night watching some pretty absurdly bad games, tuned into the Knicks and Charlotte. But uh, yeah, count me down, get me started. All
1: right. Get the timer ready. Going to put five minutes on the clock and we're going to see how you do. All right. Three, two, one, go.
0: All right, we're going to start with the Grizzlies' impressive win over the Nets last night. They were without John Morant. This was an ESPN televised game. Kevin Durant scored 33. Kyrie Irving scored 40. That's a combination of 70 points if you're doing math at home. But the Grizzlies didn't care. They came out and threw punches all night long. They were absurd. Dylan Brooks had 21. Desmond Bain had 23. Desmond Bain made six three-pointers, six of his 10 attempts, he was on fire. They got contributions from the bench. De'Anthony Melton had 23 points. Brandon Clark had 14 points. And after the game, the coolest part is they go to interview Desmond Bain and the entire team crowds them. They're yelling like a college team. They have this vibe to them where everyone's buying in. They're young. They have that atmosphere of a college team going on a run. And I really like what I saw out of the Grizzlies. They look like a really good team. They're the two seed in the West right now. And I like their chances against any of the teams they're going to play. Second big thing is the Celtics' insane run. Boston's 9-1 in their last 10. They're on an absolute tear. They're the best defensive team in the league. And they're shooting the three ball at 35%. That's not great, but it's good enough to have them you know, succeed. That's 17th in the league. They're number two in blocks. They're number 13 in turnovers forced. They're fifth in personal fouls. So they don't foul a lot. They don't score a ton of points, but the way they play defense can give a lot of these teams trouble in the East, including the Sixers. And I really hope they don't climb because I hate them. But Jason Tatum's averaging 27 a game. If he's going to be doing that, he can, might be able to will them on offense. And uh, they're looking very, very dangerous defensively. So keep an eye out for Boston. Another big thing, the Timberwolves, are on a big tear lately as well. They lost to the Suns last night, but right now they sit at 42 and 32. They're closing in on the Nuggets for the sixth seed. If they do get that sixth seed, look out because they play physical, they play with attitude. Carl Anthony Towns, since Patrick Beverly has gotten there, has blossomed into a, a villain and anti hero. And I really like it. He's playing with attitude. The whole team is. They got guys that can make shots up and down the court. Um, they, I mean, last night for the Suns, Landry Shaman was hitting a ton of shots, but he was going back and forth with Malik Beasley and Tarion Prince and Nas Reed. Jordan McLaughlin made some shots. D'Angelo Russell didn't have his best game. He only had six points, but Anthony Edwards was balling out. Cat was playing well. James Vanderbilt is an awesome defender and an even better foul shooter. Look out for the Timberwolves. That's soft slow Timberwolves team of old is gone and they have a new face and a new attitude last night. Things got heated on the sidelines between Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra. Udonis Haslam threatening Jimmy Butler saying, I'm going to beat your ass. I'm going to beat your ass. I'm going to beat your ass. Eric Spolstra looked at Jimmy Butler and said, do you want to fucking fight me? You want to fight me? It got heated. A lot of people are saying this team's chemistry is off and all of this. And Jimmy's a problem. Listen, we got 14 games left in the regular season. Shit's going to get heated. We're getting to the playoffs. The heat of the most emotional team in the league. I don't like their chances in the East. I just don't think their roster build is good enough to compete with the Sixers, the Bucs, the Celtics. But look out for them. I don't think this necessarily hurts them a ton. And I think they're going to continue the role, although it was a pretty hilarious clip for a team I don't really like. The last thing I want to hit on is who is the MVP this year? It's either Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, or Giannis Antetokounmpo. And personally speaking, I hope it's Embiid, but I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Jokic is the analytical darling. He's number one in everything. Giannis is putting up an unbelievable statistical season on the best team out of all of those. And Joel Embiid just leading the league in points per game, balling out, playing really well defensively. It's really up for grabs. I think it's between Jokic and Embiid because Giannis has already won two MVPs. But if Giannis closes on an incredible stretch and they do snag the one seed, look out for Giannis to win it. I don't think there's a wrong answer is my overarching point. I think all three guys deserve it. And I think all three guys would be a great representative for the MVP for the NFL this year. Although I hope it's Joel. 54 seconds left, man. Ooh, I was getting nervous. I was getting, I was ready to hear the buzzer there. Do you, you were, I'm not good. Right around, right after the, the, the Celtics uh, rapid fire, you started to slow down a little bit, man. Yeah. Um, I I couldn't keep that pace of talking up. I listened to the podcast that we did. I don't know how I talk that fast on Tuesday. I don't, but I, I, my voice hurts right now. I'm out of breath.
1: Yeah. That's the thing, man. You got to lay off the, got to lay off the the smoking, man. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Listen, man. I've never smoked reefer one day in my life. Okay. Never once. Never had a drink. Never smoked reefer only crack.
1: Wait, what are you talking
0: about? Drugs? No, oh, never get, heard away. Of them. get those no. away from me. No, nah, man, this is a drug-free podcast. If you guys do drugs and you listen to this, tsk, turn it off, man. Go do something else. I,
1: I, uh, throwback
0: to me drafting weed weed brownies in the uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> in never in the forget, Super Bowl foods draft. <laughs> Ted Cruz is always watching, especially when you're getting changed. So keep an eye out for that. Don't talk about drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. i do need to say one
1: thing eric before we go today and i know you as a paisan you you aren't going to want to hear this Uh uh-huh north north macedonia beat italy and italy will miss out on the world cup for the second consecutive tournament
0: in soccer yes i think italy won the world cup last time It's two and three years because they did miss the World Cup before the last one. But I'm pretty sure we won the World Cup. Italy won. That's not we. I'm American. But uh. they they won the Euros. Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right.
1: Damn. That's why. But that's why it's so stunning. Like I'm reading the article right now. It's like Italy will miss out on the World Cup for the second successive tournament after the Euro 2020 winners were stunned by a stoppage time winner from North Macedonia. Like this is this is unbelievable in this in stoppage time too this is one of the craziest stats italy had an incredible 32 shots at goal to north macedonia's four holy shit dude this is i've italy over the past few world cups i mean obviously they missed it last time like this is italy's supposed to be good at soccer man they are, are they i mean doing? they are
0: good at soccer I, that hurts my feelings i didn't know that also shout out north macedonia fairly new country uh, alexander the great would be proud of you guys dude it's
1: Italy's first defeat in 60 home World Cup qualifiers. North Macedonia is like 60 spots below Italy in the FIFA rankings.
0: In yeah, the world. I mean, it's like a brand new country, essentially.
1: That's wild, dude. But they're now going to take on Portugal and Cristiano
0: Ronaldo in the playoff final.
1: Damn. <laughs> With, with Qatar on the – yeah, with, with a trip to the World Cup on the line.
0: That's wild, man. But, yeah, man. I mean, you know what they say, tourist destination Qatar. Ton to do. <laughs> Great job, FIFA. Way to, way to pick the slave labor country to host your that's, tournament, you pieces of shit.
1: That's just money laundering if I've ever heard it. but Yeah, FIFA that can blow was, me. That was today's date in sports. So – How about – why don't we end the podcast with a, uh, a today's date in sports from the past?
0: Yeah. So this day in sports, March 24th, 1974, the 36th ncaa men's basketball championship ended with north carolina state beating marquette 76 to 64 it was the first title for the Wolfpack and the first ncaa tournament officially designated as the division one men's championship before that it was voted on similarly to a bcs system where the winner of the nit and the tournament would get votes and whoever won would be deemed the winner but this was the first championship, March 24th, 1974, where North Carolina State, by winning the NCAA championship, became the unanimous Division I champion.
1: Love it. Love it. We'll, we'll have to keep this segment going. Drop a yeah. little history at the end of the pod. I love it.
0: Well, yeah, guys. It's been the Victory Formation podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening and supporting as always. We'll be back with you guys on Tuesday with a recap from the tournament games this weekend. And who knows what will happen in the NFL at this point. Don't forget to check out the Good Soup podcast as well. We are now releasing every Monday, so that's a little bit of news for you all. And keep up with everything Good Soup. Have a great weekend.
1: Heck yeah, have a great weekend, guys. Gamble
0: responsibly. Peace.